0: There's a story told about a little boy who came to his dad, and uh, his hand was hurting. And he kept saying to his dad, Dad, my hand, my hand, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And, uh, and, and dad is like, what? What is going on with your hand? What is wrong with you? And, uh, and he, oh, he took his hand, and he showed his dad, and his dad began to look at his hand. And he noticed that his hand was, was gripped super tightly. And uh, he noticed that the little boy had had a marble in his hand, and he was holding on to it really, really tightly. And the dad said, son, why don't you just let go? And the little boy said, dad, I, it's it's mine. I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. It's mine. I found it. I don't want to let go because I'll lose it, or somebody else will take it, or... Whatever, something's gonna happen, and I'm not gonna be able to find this marble. And and Dad, I'm—it's mine. I don't want to let go. Well, son, if you would just let go, the pain would stop. If you if you just let go and give it to me, I'll t- I'll take care of it. I'll watch. It, I'll watch over it for you. I'll, I'll stick it in my pocket and, and hold on to it. And, he's, and so the little boy is sitting there, and he's thinking, and his, again, his fist is closed around this marble, and he's holding on to it so tightly, and he continues to whine about his hand hurting. And he finally is like, okay, I'm going to let go. And he begins to let go of this marble that's in his hand. And almost immediately... As the marble drops into his father's hand, almost immediately the pain begins to subside and he begins to find relief and he begins to find joy in the fact that he is let go. You ever found yourself saying, it's mine, I don't want to let go. Anyone? Anyone? Just honest? It's mine. I don't want to let go. You ever thought that? You ever feel that? You ever, maybe right now you're struggling through that with someone, someone that you need to let go. Uh, Maybe it's a child that uh, is graduating from high school. Maybe it's uh, someone that's going to go off to college, or maybe, you know, they're going in the military, or, or I don't know what. Maybe it's something that's in your life. Maybe it's unforgiveness. We've been talking about Forgiving somebody, and I, I just—it's mine. I don't want to let go. I—I'm I, going to hold on to this thing. Can I can I ask you what what is the marble in your life that you're clutching onto with your life, and you're unwilling to let it go? Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's something that, that is going on in your life that you're just not willing to let go. Can can I just say to you that's keeping score. That, that's keeping score in your life. If there's something in your life that, that you are holding on to saying, it's mine, I don't want to let go of it, that's keeping score. And, and here's the reality of what we've been talking about for the last two weeks is that you lose when you keep score. You lose when you keep score. And, and interestingly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, again, the love chapter, Talking about the love that we have for each other and the love that that God demonstrates to us, and really a really a, a description of God is is this First Corinthians chapter thirteen verse five. It does not love; does not insist on its own way. So so in essence, what you're saying is it's mine. I don't want to let it go. What you're doing is you're insisting on your own way. You're not happy about something, and so I'm going to hold on to this. It's mine. I won't let go. It's not that you can't let go. It's that you don't want to let go. You want to continue to hold on to it. You want to continue to have control. Control over it I I don't know about you but but I know um that control is something that I, I know that I struggle with at times and to be honest with you I think as as human beings we as human beings struggle with control we all have control issues um and uh and and again what's that marble thing for you what's that marble for you you lose when you keep score. Would you, would you turn to somebody and tell them that? You lose when you keep score. Tell them that. You lose when you keep score. Now, internalize it. Internalize it. Again, I, I'm having you repeat this for a reason. I lose when I keep score. Now, you tell yourself that. I lose when I keep score. So, if that's true, then the question that we're looking at is how can I stop? how can I stop from keeping score? What we looked at last two weeks is we need to learn to forgive. We need to learn to forgive. Colossians 3, verse 13, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. This is something that is a practice, needs to be a practice in our lives as we interact with each other. Because guess what? We're going to, hurt each other we're going to let each other down we're going to disappoint one another in our relationships with one another we've got to learn to forgive and then we need to also learn to forgive and ourselves and and really what it is is it's not necessarily forgiving ourselves as much as it is about accepting the forgiveness that we have through christ forgive as the lord has forgiven you have you accepted that forgiveness that he offers to you, he has forgiven you. Have you been willing to reach out and say, I accept your forgiveness? He died on the cross, he rose again. Why? Because of your sin, because of your sin, past, present, future, and he paid the penalty for it all. Have you accepted that forgiveness? So number one, we need to forgive. But number two, I wanna talk about this today, and it is you need to learn to let go. Let go. If you would, turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 17. It's page 1268 in my Bible. I don't know if that helps you or not, but. Mark chapter 10. One of the gospels, one of the gospel writers, Mark, Again, telling the story of Jesus and his life. And uh, Jesus has an interaction with a, a man who does not let go. And so what can we learn from this man? Notice verse 17, Mark chapter 10. As he was setting out on his journey, this is Jesus, a man ran up, knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and... Come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions, great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. The reason they were amazed is because they thought that anybody that had wealth was blessed by God, and would easily be in the kingdom of God. So it was a big surprise to hear how difficult it would be for someone who actually has wealth to enter the kingdom of God. They're surprised by this. Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or land For my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, notice this, interesting, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. The many who are first will be last, and the last first. What's going on with this man? He comes to the Lord and he asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to get eternal life? What must I do to get eternal life? Notice the, the, the focus is on I. What do I have to do? And, and Jesus asks him a question in response, which is often what Jesus would do. Why do you say to me, good teacher? In essence, what he's saying to him is, you're asking the wrong question. And he goes on, and he starts to talk about the Ten Commandments. He focuses on the relational part with one another of the Ten Commandments. The six, the, the, uh, the, the fact of do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie against your neighbor, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And Jesus shares with him these, and the man, notice again, he says, I have kept these from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. What's going on? This man is not willing to let go. Let go specifically of what in his life? This one marble that's in his hand that he's clutched, close-fisted to is his wealth, is everything he has. Jesus says, go sell everything you have. Why does he say that to him? Because it's the one thing that's keeping him from following Jesus, it's the one thing that, that's, that's keeping him from surrendering his life to following Christ. And Jesus knows it. Why? Because he knows our hearts. You, you may be sitting here thinking, I, I'm not really sure I know what that thing is in my life that I'm holding on to, that marble that I'm holding on to my life. I guarantee you, God knows what it is. And in time, if you're willing and you ask, God will reveal to you what it is. And for this man, it was his wealth. He was unwilling to let go of his wealth. He was unwilling to trust God with his wealth. He was close-fisted toward God. And here's what we need to understand. If you're close-fisted toward God, more than likely you are also close-hearted toward God. And that's a problem. And Jesus identifies that with this man, listen, your problem isn't, and you, the thing you need to realize is, you've been doing all these things, that's great, but you're missing the point. The point isn't that it's all about do's and don'ts. The point of all this is, it's about a relationship with me. Are you willing to give up that one thing that you're holding on to in order to follow after God? me? Are you willing to let go? See, the thing that was going on is he's keeping score. He's going to miss out and does miss out on all that God has to offer him. Most importantly, a relationship with his son Jesus. But even beyond that, we read in in verses 28 through 31, the blessing of God in someone's life who's willing to let go. And Jesus says, whoever is willing to let go, they will be blessed a hundredfold beyond what they even let go of. Now again, we have to be careful because we like to define what that blessing looks like. We, We like to say, okay, well, if I let go of this and I follow after Jesus, then everything should be good for me. Everything should fall into place for me. Everything about life. I should be able to go through life and it should be like easy street. The problem is, notice what it says in verse 30, that not only comes along this blessing, but also the blessing of persecutions in our life. What? The blessings of persecution? Yeah, the blessing of being persecuted for the name of Jesus. Because guess what? The Bible makes it clear that in this life you will have trouble. Blessed are those who are persecuted for his name's sake. Blessed are those who mourn. Go back to the Beatitudes. And, and again, there's this whole idea of that somehow that that's not real blessing if we're suffering. That's not real blessing if we're being persecuted for the name of Jesus. When in fact, Jesus says that is actual blessing in our life. Why? Because you're standing up for me. Why? Because you're living for me. Why? Because people see in you something different. And that difference, they're they're like, whoa, I I don't know about that. And they persecute what they don't know. And so following Jesus is not all that easy. And what's interesting is is that in contrast, in, in verse 27, they looked at him and they said, Uh, that we've given up everything. Peter has said at verse 28, I'm sorry, Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. And it's true. The disciples left their jobs, they left their families, they, they left what they knew, they left where they lived, they left everything to follow Jesus. And they turn the world upside down. You and I are here today because the disciples were willing to let go. You and I are sitting here today because of what Jesus did through the disciples' lives and continues to do in our lives as an extension of that discipleship in our own hearts and our own lives. But guess what? You look at the disciples' lives, you you read about how their lives ended, it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. But guess what? They were willing to let go of even their life in order to follow Jesus. And God blessed in their life abundantly more than they could even begin or imagine. This man was not getting it. Yes, he had kept the commandments. He'd done all the do's and don'ts, but he was missing the relationship. And so, instead of, God, okay, what do you want me to do? He was close fisted to God, not willing to let go. See, I, I believe letting go is about being open-handed toward God. God, here it is. Here it is. I, I, I know that I need to be in relationship with you. I know that I want to follow you. I want to be open-handed towards you. And what happens when we're open-handed is that we become open-hearted. Open-hearted toward God, open-hearted toward others, And we begin to understand that life is more about serving Him, more about what it means to really follow Him than it is about what I get out of life. I've always been convinced that this rich young ruler, if he had said to Jesus, okay, I'm willing, I'm willing to let go, I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to sell everything I have and give to the poor as you've instructed me. I'm convinced that Jesus would have stopped him and would have been like, I see that you're sincere. I see that that this is what you want to do. I see that because... You're willing to do this and you're willing to surrender after and to follow after me. And and so I'm going to hold on that for just a bit. Hold on to that and let's figure out a different way. And why do I say that? Because I think about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham has been promised a son. He's given a son. God says to him, sacrifice your son for me take him up on top of this mountain and i want you to sacrifice him as a living sacrifice unto me and he he takes his son and he goes up to that mountain and the bible describes it in genesis that he's about to thrust the knife into his son when god stops him and he has provided another way i see that you're sincere I don't know about you, but but I know in my own life I've seen God do that, where I've surrendered something to Him, where He was laying on my heart something that was a marble in my life that I had to let go of, and and I needed to to say, okay, God, here it is. I lay this before you. I give this to you. Take it. Do what you want. I want to serve you. The most visible example of that is the woman that was just up here saying, my wife. As, and I've shared this before. When she and I were dating, we were engaged. We both felt not, we, we, we weren't even praying about it together. We were just thinking about our relationship and serving God. And God laid on our hearts at separate times. You need to lay down that relationship, be willing to let go of that relationship if it means I'm not going to serve Jesus. If, if Daish and I getting married means... That neither of us is going to serve Jesus, and all we're going to do is seek after self? I don't want it. And Do you think that was easy? That was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life. But praise God, we let go of it, and he gave us our relationship back, and now we're going on 28 years of being married. And I praise God for that. Thank God for that. But... But I'm not going to sit here and and say to you, it's a guarantee that if you let go of something, God will give you that thing back. Because again, it comes back to those verses 28 through 31. We have to be careful about how we define God's blessing in our life. Because here's what I believe. If God had directed me, which I believe he did, to say, you know what, if being with Desha means that you're not going to serve me, then I don't want you to be with her. I want you to let her go. Here's what I'm confident of. That he would have brought somebody else into my life, if that was his desire, that would have been in line with his will, and and God would have worked it out. And for me, I was, okay, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that. I don't get to define how God blesses me in my life. Now, there's a lot of Christians that will tell you that's exactly what you get to do. You get to tell God how he's going to bless you. I don't know about you, but that sounds extremely arrogant to me. And, and I don't know about you, that sounds really God-like to me. Like, what, what? I am not God. How do I get to tell God what he's going to do. I don't. What I get to do is trust him. What I get to do is obey him. Good old song, trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's what? No other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That comes by letting go. That, that comes by those things that you're saying, no, that's mine, and I will not let that go. I had a friend in college who, who really felt like God was leading him to go to the mission field. And, and, and I think I've shared this before, and if, if I did it, oh, well, I'm going to do it again, probably do it a 100 more times. But this buddy um, had a music collection that was massive. Um, All kinds of music, uh, all kinds of music. And and he really felt strongly that he was holding on to that and that that was causing him not to focus on God because he was so focused on music. And so I remember at that chapel, where he, I mean, he turned to me and said, Jay, I need to get rid of all that. I'm like, okay, what do you want to do with it? And, and it went through his mind, ah, you know, I could take it to a store and I could sell it and I could whatever, get some money out of it. And then, he, and then later on that night, he was like, he came into my dorm room with two hammers. I'm like, are we building something? What's, you know, what's going on here? I know you want to go to the mission field, but seriously, like, like right now? Um, and uh, he's like, Jay, I, I want to take these things out back, and I want to smash them to bits. Sweet, let's go. <laughs> and we went out back of Rock Hall and um, just started smashing CDs. And and, and somebody may look at that and go, well, that's not that big a deal. It's a huge deal because for him, it was one of the first steps of obedience to God. Do you know what he's doing today? He's today over in the 1040 window reaching people groups who have never heard about Jesus. I mean, my friend has has encountered cannibals, headhunters, Uh, all kinds of individuals, and he has shared with them Jesus, and many of them have put their faith and trust in Christ. His vision, he believed God had called him, was always calling him to go to the 1040 window and to make a difference in the lives of people, and he's still there doing it today. That one act of obedience was a step in a long line of acts of obedience that has gotten him to where he is today. See, some some of the reason why you feel like you're not moving in your relationship with Jesus, or you feel stagnant in your faith walk, is because you're not taking a step. You're not taking a step. And the reason I know that is because you're holding on to something and saying, it's mine, I'm not willing to let it go. I'm not willing to let it go. It's interesting that this rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked. Can I just say, that was the best move in his his life, honestly. And it's the best move in our life. You need to go to God and ask God, 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 What is it that is in the way? What is it that is keeping me from following you? What is it that you want me to lay down before you? And like Isaiah, Isaiah hears the word of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Lord, here am I, send me. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 25. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. So what are you holding on to? What are you not willing to let go of? Ask God. God, what is it that I need to let go of? What is it that, that I need to surrender to you? And that is really where the crux of the problem lies. Because this man asked Jesus that and he didn't like to answer. He was not willing to let go. He was not willing to surrender this area of his life. His money was more important to him than a relationship with Jesus. And it kept him from serving God. I don't know what it is for you, I don't know what that marble is that you're holding on to in your hand, but I want to encourage you that if you let it go, God will take it. See, the rest of that story that I told earlier about that little boy, the father took the marble and he began to show his son some different things that he could do with a marble, some different games, some different fun activities that he could do with this marble. And, and, and uh, the boy was blown away at seeing what he could do with that. At one point, it held, he held it in his hand so tight, it caused pain. Now, it was bringing joy. And that's the beauty of God, is God will, whatever it is, whatever void that ends up in your life, God will fill it and, and often in our lives, what we have is, is, is we have a God-shaped hole in our life, but we're unwilling to fill it with God. We try to fill it. You know, you remember that the little toy that when you were a kid that was blue and yellow, and it, or it was blue and it had the yellow pieces in it, and you always tried to jam something in the wrong shape? Okay, that maybe that was just me. Um, but, but I would try to jam a square into a circle, and it didn't work. It never filled it. It was like, what is going on? I can't get this trapezoid inside this. I never said that when I was a little kid because I had no idea. But I'm like, what is happening? This is what we do in our lives all the time. We try to fill a God shaped hole in our lives with square stuff, with rectangular stuff, with triangle stuff, and it doesn't fit. And we're like, why? Because it's not God, it's not God shaped hole. That's going. It, the only thing that's going to fill a God-shaped hole is God. And, and and when you want to talk about letting go, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he let go of his only Son Jesus to do what? To die on a cross, to rise again, so that you and I might believe in him and have eternal life. You want to talk about the ultimate letting go. God did the ultimate letting go and letting go of Jesus. So that he would pay the penalty for our sin for our life. Not so that we can keep holding on to little marbles in our life and act like we're in control. You you lose when you keep score. Are Are you ready to stop? Are you ready to stop keeping score? Are you willing to let God have control of your life? Here's the thing. I'm not going to read it, but you go back to it, and I'll make reference to it. Ephesians chapter 3. Please read it. One of the verses, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, says that, he can do immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine according to the spirit that's at work within you. Think about that. He can do more than you ask or imagine. Wow. So are you willing to let go? Listen, you prayed earlier and asked God to speak to your heart. I'm asking you a follow-up question. What did God speak to you about today? Would you be willing to share that with somebody? Would you be willing to say, you know what, I'll share that with somebody? And right now, can I just encourage you? Get your phone out, text somebody, be like, "Hey, I've got. I'm sitting in church, and I got something that God is talking about. I want to share it with you later. Please make sure that I do. Um, you know, or something, anything. Let them know that you're." that God is speaking to your heart. If you need some practice with that or you want to practice on somebody before you uh, hit out in the real whatever, um, my number is on the wall. Feel free to call me. Feel free to text, whatever. I would love to interact with you about it. Hey, would you just uh, bow your head and close your eyes? What's that marble that you're holding on to? What's that thing that you keep saying, oh, this is mine? and I'm not going to let go. You sure about that? sure you don't want to let go? Is it possible that, that God is telling you about something to let go because he has something greater in mind for you? He has something more in store for you. But you got to let it go. I don't know what it is. It could be something as, as crazy. I, I mean, in my life, it was Diet Pepsi. Like, I had to let go of Diet Pepsi. I love Diet Pepsi. Like, I was drinking Diet Pepsi like it was water. It's crazy. But the effects that it was having on me, I knew it was bad. And God just started to work on my heart, let go of that. I did. Three years ago, I let go of that. I haven't drank Diet Pepsi since, and I'm really thankful for that. That that sounds crazy, but it was what he was instructing me at that time to let go. I was holding on to it. Like, I am not letting go of Diet Pepsi. That's just something simple, something, I don't know. I don't know what it is in your life, but what I do know is God wants to take it. Hmm. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. God, thanks. Thanks that you love us. Thank you that you you did the ultimate letting go. You let go of your son. Even turn your back on your own son so that we would have a payment for our sin and so that we could have eternal life with you. God, if there's someone here that the letting go that they need to do is, is of their unbelief. They've just never put their faith and trust in you. I pray, God, right now, right here, this moment, they would put their faith and trust in you. God, if there's something else that, that is standing in the way, Lord, I pray that they'd be willing to ask you to help them to let go. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives through our lives and what you have already done. We give you praise in Jesus' name.